Hey guys, and welcome to Tom and Talk with John and Hunter. How's it going, Hunter? Uh, not much, man. Uh, we should have took three out of four, but I guess we went 500, what, throughout the whole homestand? I mean, uh, you know, road trip, but I've been kind of trying to take my mind off of it and appreciate what's going on with a lot of the other teams, exciting teams or prospects. Yeah, I get that, man. It's been a rough season so far. Uh, the pitching's getting better. It's definitely uh, Smiley's starting to come to form, what they kind of thought they were going to get when they were, you know, looking into getting them. Uh, Morton has definitely starting to show what we paid, what was it, $15 million for? Yeah, that – the Morton thing is what's really exciting me because I feel like our starting pitching, even with injuries and all that, is, you know, pretty damn solid. And even with Smiley pitching the way he is, if you pitch six innings or can give us seven and you give up three runs, but it's nerve-wracking innings like it was during the first, you know, first of the season, like he had runners on base constantly. And, you know, that's just tiring as a viewer. But well, what you're talking about is like mainly those big innings. He would he would pitch really good and then have one blow up inning. If he wouldn't have those blow up innings, his ERA would probably be around two fifty or something. Yes, and he also works very quickly to where if he's not on, he'll have somebody about to be walked in like less than thirty seconds. Like it seemed like for a little while that was what was going on. But with Morton, like uh my worry is we get back in this, sneak into the playoffs. Uh, we need that Morton in the playoffs. Uh, we're going to have to, at some point, kind of strategically pull him back a bit, you know, like, because he's, you know, at his age, we're going to have to. Well, speaking of the rotation and all that, what do you feel about hearing about the sad thing about Soroka? I mean, this is horrible. You know how I feel about that. It's, I mean, it's the same way I felt about it before. I mean, I didn't expect to have him back, you know, this year anyways, but I feel bad for him at this point. Not, It's not even a Braves thing anymore. I mean, this kid's career, you know, very it's surely stunted to say the least if, you know, not forever. Well, I thought whenever they went in there, you know, of course I – didn't feel they should rush him back this year anyways. Kind of let it progress naturally. Don't uh, push the envelope, so to speak. But when they went in there and he sounded so optimistic in his press conference that they had just found these sutures that uh, they were supposed to dissolve into the Achilles, but they didn't. They just floated around. So I thought when I heard him say, oh, yeah, the Achilles is fine. This is what the doctors told me and probably could be back by mid-August. I was thinking maybe they shouldn't push that, but at the same time, I was thinking, well, this is a possibility. Yeah, no, you're – it's just uh, he got back on his feet and, you know, was going – hell, we pitched him in spring training for a few minutes. I mean, um, I think – how is he going to stay off that this whole summer? And the, 
I don't know how he's going to allow that to heal. He's going to have to be laid up for a long time. And even once he's, you know, he can get up from, you know, having to be in bed, you know, all the time for a couple months, at least. I feel like it. he's going to re-injure it again. It just seems like a, it's a bad situation, to say the least. So what's your opinion on Pilar's mask? I mean, is he trying to replace uh, Robert Pattinson as Batman or something? I mean, this is ridiculous. I get you uh, wearing it, something to that extent, up to the plate to protect your face after what happened. But wearing it in the outfield, it just looks like he's trying to be a comic book character. Yeah, I guess it was bad enough that he can't take no risk I mean, if something else does happen, it, it, you know, it'll really mess up his face where, you know, I have to get real reconstructive surgery because that was one of the worst hit by pitches to the face I've ever seen. But, yeah, what I was speaking about, though, when we first started about the more exciting teams in baseball <laughs> than the Braves right now, the Giants, um, their pitching is unreal and – that's how they got to 50 wins first. But they've also had a resurgence going on with uh, – not resurgence. Like, when I say that, I'm thinking Posey. Like, I feel like now that they're competitive again, all of a sudden you've got an all-star caliber Buster Posey again, and that's exciting to see. Evan Longoria coming back to life. You know, that past few years they've just been in a complacent rebuilding stage. Yeah, it, I, I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch. But the question is, are they going to be able to stay in first place with the Dodgers and the Padres right behind them? Well, I mean, I am very impressed. I mean, from what we've seen and with Dave Kapler as the manager, really, Dave Kapler. But the, it is impressive. But the rookie, I mean, the rookies they've got, pretty interesting. And, uh, the Dodgers and the Padres are underperforming massively. It's just like the Braves in certain ways. Uh, they can't get everything rolling uh, all at one time. And it that's the way it seems. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if they keep it up, though. Uh, what do you think about uh, Hector Santiago? Uh, well, first off, on the Padres-Dodgers, the Dodgers – you know, they're obviously still winning, but they're under, underperforming for what people expect out of them. But the Padres, they've been winning still, too. It's just the Giants are not stop, stopping. So, uh, yeah, the Padres definitely are underperforming. Tatis, that game, he had two homers, or was it three? Yes, he had three homers by the end of the fourth inning in the other night's game. It was against the Diamondbacks. And they're on the road, so, you know, it almost don't count. But uh, the Diamondbacks broke their, you know, lose 27 was when I last heard of it. So it was probably around 30 when they broke it the next night, thankfully. They won 10-1 to 1 against the Padres. But, um, so, yeah, it's back to you, Orioles. Now, now eyes are back on you as far as losing streaks go. But, um and you was talked about talking about Hector Santiago, the first guy that uh, is getting suspended for the sticky situation going on. 
yeah, well, yeah, that was coming. We were gonna, that was gonna happen sooner rather than later. Uh, there's always gonna be somebody that thinks, actually, um, it was just sunscreen and rosin, supposedly, from what I've seen. And the umpire, um, if you watch the video of it, he's kind of like you can see him expressing that it it's in the glove. It can't be in the glove. It needs to be on your arm if you're going to use it. So to be honest, I think it's bullshit because he was, uh, yeah, they, they allow for it to be on your arm. He just had it in his glove. I mean, I used to pitch and you know, you got to have a little something to get a really good grip on the ball. I mean, not, the stuff everybody was using, what was it called? Spider tack stuff like that. I mean, a little sunscreen and some rosin or sweat and some rosin, you know, anything that'll help you grip the ball better, help your location, but not taking to the extremes. I mean, yeah, someone was bound to get caught, even though technically if it was just sunscreen, should it really get you a 10 game suspension? No. No, no, it shouldn't. And the MLB is going to have a hard time like working this out because cases are going to be, we're about to see a bunch of people getting these 10 game suspensions. And I feel like a lot of the cases are going to be exactly like this, like uh, the having the substance, not where it needs to be like out in the open on your arm. And I guess that, I mean, I'm not sure that what the league's going to do. They they should have waited until next year to implement this. You don't do something like this in the middle of the season because oh, so far we're not seeing pitchers change that much. I think a lot of pitchers were using just sunscreen and rosin, but the thing is there's, you know, you know the obvious suspects that use more than that. I mean, yeah, you could definitely tell the people that were using something different. The RPMs on the fastball were up by 200. I think you know who I'm referring to. I'm not going to straight out call this person out. They were also one of the people that were saying, hey, these other guys are using it. I mean, I guess I get their point. If you can't get someone to listen, join them. Why not? Yes, why not? At that point. And uh, that's what Bauer did. He, he uh, I mean, uh, he went out there for one inning in a game back in, I think, in like 2017 or something, or maybe 18. Went out there for one inning and increased his uh, spin rate by over like 300 or something, and then stopped the rest of the game. And it was obvious. And he was saying to the MLB, like, or, you know, he was addressing the MLB about it. But, um, yeah, Garrett Cole, he's another one. There's a lot of them. Those are just the two, you know, most known for it. Like, Garrett Cole in Pittsburgh is still a great starting pitcher. Once he got to Houston, you know, it, it was a total different story. Not that he didn't evolve as well as a pitcher and a Bauer as well. I mean, they're naturally getting better, you know. But, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not sure what to think about it because I never really cared much about it to begin with. I wasn't never really that against it. I do believe as far as, um, you know, having something so strong that the baseball stuck to your hand. Bauer showed that as well, that it could like literally hold his hand up and the ball gravity not take it. 
I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's not like he's these pitchers are shooting up. You know, I mean, really, it's not like they're shooting up. Also, definitely want to throw a shout out to which, by the way, when I looked at the uh, analytics and everything, I was a little shocked, Hunter. I think you were too to see that we had a couple listeners from Brazil and uh, Germany. Uh, hey, y'all. Appreciate the listen. Uh, hope you guys will continue to listen. And uh, we like bringing the podcast. But uh, just wanted to give y'all a shout out. And uh, thank you to everybody that listens. But getting back on baseball, uh, what do you think about the Cardinals downward spiral? It's It's been unreal, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, I, it's one of those midseason things that's going to happen to a lot of teams, maybe. But also, they have a serious lack of offense when you wouldn't think that. Like, I mean, uh, DeJong, for one, uh, he was an all-star player just two years ago. And he looks terrible right now. Terrible. And he's been that way all 2020 and all this year. So, he's starting to look like he's not going to produce for him very much. And Nolan Arenado... He's kind of similar to them adding Goldsmith. He's, you know, he's a he's a good player. He's not a game changer. Uh, Arenado is actually a game changer because of defense. But yeah, uh, well, they're both good defensive players. But the Cardinals, what they lost to the they got swept by the Tigers. They lost three out of four to us. They lost their out of four to the Pirates as well, and they got swept by somebody else right before they played the Braves last. So, I mean, that's pretty bad. That's a downward spiral, and it's in, it's such an easy, not an easy division to win, but such an open division to win in the Central that I expected them to be. I think the Brewers are going to be the ones that come out of them or the Cubs, but Cincy, that they're looking good, but. You know, their pitching is injured. Castillo's took a step back. He may have been a sticky stuff. Uh, who knows? Well, I, I've got to say, you know, while I do enjoy the Brewers, and I do, uh, I, I'm i kind of rooting for the Cubs. Our boy David Rossi, you know, got to love him, got to root for him. Uh, I mean, you know, that's just uh, got to love Rossi for sure. But uh, – the other thing I was gonna say was, uh, what do you what do you think about Snickers' use of the bullpen? It's uh, I love Snicker. We, we've talked about that on the past podcast that uh, we we like him. We think he's done wonderful, other than his use of the bullpen. Uh, sometimes he brings in Mentor when he should bring in Martin. Sometimes he. Uh, We'll have Smith go in for a save four days in a row instead of either throwing – well, I wouldn't throw Green in there right now. He's getting back to form, but let's just say I would throw Martin out there and break it up a little bit because if you have a four-game series and you bring the same guy out four times in a row, they've got a good look at him. They're going to knock him around a little bit. And if his slider ain't kicking, we're going to lose. Definitely. I mean, um, our bullpen is not as bad as it's been, you know, the 
statistics show. We've got, you know, we've got some good guys out there. But Snicker is just like everybody in baseball, routine-based. So he keeps going with the same pattern. You know, you can always predict, you know, who's coming, who's been warming up, who's about to come. That's another thing. He don't have guys warmed up when people, when you know there's something about to happen uh, that requires a new pitcher. Like he'll not even, I feel like the bullpen is the, one of the biggest aspects in the game now. Like having that bullpen and putting in the right people usually decide games unless you just come out in the first couple innings and put up seven, eight runs in close games. Like, But the Will Smith thing, Will Smith, is turning out to be worth his money. He's been worth his salary. No, he's a great pitcher. You, you, you. I see you saying iffy, iffy, but no, no. It, I mean, he's. I think he's blown one save this year, and it was uh, maybe blown. Yeah, maybe blown recently, but he had only blown one, and it was uh, one where he just gave up the lead. We might have came back and won that game. Maybe, maybe not, but yeah. Yeah, that's my biggest fault with Snicker is, yeah, his the bullpen's way pr- too predictable. And not to mention, just because we're winning, you don't have to bring out Will Smith when we have a four-run lead. I mean, come on. Uh, I mean, I, I admit, and uh, all he's got to do is just get the right people in. You know, uh, like you said, don't make it so predictable. And uh, – I'm going to say this, and I apologize to Luke Jackson. I, I've got to admit, I've been one of those people that sometimes when I have seen him uh, warming up in certain situations, I have cringed. But he has been our most reliable reliever this year, and uh, he's doing a great job. Um, I think fans are still going to be waiting for him to mess up. And uh, that's just how it's going to go with him. Uh, But he's doing a great job. I think there's a lot of potential in the bullpen. I just think they need to be used in a better way. Okay, so here's a thought. What are we going to do? This is the first year in a while that I've been like really questioning, what exactly are we going to do? At the deadline this year, because let's see, bullpen. I really only think we need one strong arm for the bullpen. We don't. I think we'll be fine, but we got to address the hitting because the lineup just seems. It, okay, uh, Travis Darno, sixty-day injured list, right? When he comes back. I feel like we're going to find out how much we missed him, kind of, especially if he can do anything close to what he done last year. I I feel like he's one of those parts just as much as Marcel, obviously losing Marcel. That's, you know, you know, <laughs> we'll get into that. But, yeah, our lineup is just feels so short outside of Acuna, Freeman, Ozzy. And occasionally, you know, when you when Riley does something, which I I love the growth of Riley this year. That's been probably the funnest thing. Instead of watching Acuna, that's the funnest thing about the Braves. I mean, it's just like when he goes up to bat now, he's not chasing outside or up 
he's actually being patient with uh, the ball coming to him and not swinging at anything he shouldn't swing at. His growth has been amazing, and you're absolutely right on that. Acuna has been phenomenal. I mean, just amazing what he's been doing. And you could tell that, honestly, even having if Freddie was rolling, the team still wouldn't be winning if it wasn't for Acuna. You look at all the games we won by one run, and that's just from him hitting a solo shot. I mean, it's been crazy. Uh, but uh, Freddie's starting to hit a little bit. He's starting to get back into it, I think. By the end of the year, he'll end up hitting 290, 300, possibly, if he can keep it sustained. But he's got a lot going on, man. I mean, you've talked about that uh, several times, how much he's got going on. And uh, having that contract, you know, up in the air is – that's got to be a distraction. Plus, two children, two newborns at home, it, that's a massive distraction. What do you think? Yeah, that that's exactly what I think too, because that's the conversation we've already had about it, and that's exactly what I said about the situation. I, the two newborn things, like uh, from all accounts, they invited the situation, even knowing they were going to uh, have one more baby than they expected, other than the surrogate uh, that they had already had. But yeah, uh, I'm sure that, that ended up being a lot bigger load than they expected. I mean, they already had children, so they knew that. But, yeah, and I think also the shortened 2020 season, we thought it was going to be weird, but I feel yeah, like I feel like the facts, the fact that it was like a, the way it was has made a ripple effect into this season. Like you see all the – every team has like – five of their very, very top producing guys like out of the, you know, out of the picture for if not the whole year, like 60 days constantly. People are getting constantly injured. Like, I I don't know. That's that's definitely connected more to that COVID season. It would have been almost better if we had took the year off now and think about it. Or that might maybe worse. Uh, you, you could look at it several different ways. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm with you on it. Uh, also, honestly, you know how I feel about how I felt. I'm not going to say how I feel anymore because my, my uh, stance on it's changed. I'm a, somewhat of a baseball purist, and I was highly against the designated hitter. I despised it. But after last season, it did change my mind on it. I'm – Really, would I wish they would have brought that back and the extended playoffs. But here's the other thing that I hate, I despise, is that extra inning rule. That extra inning rule has cost us dearly this year. It has cost plenty of teams, not just us, but plenty of teams. And if you're not going to use it in the playoffs, don't use it at all. Yeah, yeah, the – you said you would like to have seen the extended playoffs come back. Uh, that I don't like because – not because of extra teams in the playoffs. Better than one-game playoff no, for the wild card, though. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that that should be three. I think that'll be three now anyways based on the fact that we done tried that. But um, 
Yeah, the extended playoffs. Do you want us to win the division and have to play a three game just to get to the, you know, anything can happen in three games, just like anything. Five is a more deciding factor, but. No, I agree with that, man. I mean, I I don't believe in a three game series regardless. I think that you, the wrong team would have, could always lose. Uh, I mean, anybody can lose. But uh, it's one of those things where I believe it should be a five-game series regardless. I know that takes more time. I know there are other sports going on, and that causes a problem with that. But at the same time, five games will be fair enough to judge who should move on. But uh, the other thing that uh, I was saying was – some of the changes like that, the, the two inning rule just, uh, I mean, the extra inning rule sucks. Yeah. Oh yeah. The extent inning rule is not baseball. I mean, it's, that's something you would do in beer league softball or not even little league, man. I, that one bothers me the most. Cause it, it, because you you have you can still be zero zero in a tight ball game, and there still be momentum on a certain side, and that takes away all of that. And it just and then it comes down to just circumstance of who you've got due up that you know last inning, uh, and also you can't do that in a seven inning doubleheader game. Have a runner on second there as well at least worst case scenario the game goes the actual length it's supposed to (laughs) so i mean yeah come on that just makes sense i feel like but and 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 i'll say this um when mad bomb pitched a no hitter against us in the seventh uh seven inning game uh they said it's not a no hitter because it's not nine well did he make a decision not to pitch nine or was that major league baseball that shortened it to seven? Yeah, of course uh, he didn't make that decision obviously, but the fact is I don't think he might could have pitched the, um, you know, the eighth and the ninth, but there's a very good chance by that point, somebody's getting a hit. I mean, come on, you can't assume the, the way we were playing that day, I don't know. When it comes that. to a no hitter, you can't. Yeah, that's true. But we'll look at the way the um, hell, uh, the Reds were playing. I mean that they had one error that was counted as a hit because ball was in Acuna's glove and dropped when they showed the replay. So that usually constitutes an, as an error. But the scorekeepers, you know, being at home for the Reds, they won't. You know, their guys get hits on the stats but yeah but they ended up getting one more hit didn't they or i'm sure it led on to more but i remember the second hit but it took them forever and they looked horrible all day but uh yeah that also uh makes that mueller i he could be a dude like he could be a dude in our fucking rot- rotation there soon yeah i'm glad you brought him up i was actually gonna do it and uh because he was, yeah, his first experience in the major leagues was rough. But when they put him out there to start, he went 
toe-to-toe with DeGrom. I mean, you know, he did a wonderful job. And then that gem he threw in the second game was just absolutely amazing. So I think he's definitely going to be, as you put it, a dude. But we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, Anchor. We'll be right back with you. All right, welcome back, guys. So, parting thoughts here. Braves and the trade deadline. How are we going to address that? Who are we going to go after? I'm thinking it's going to be somebody that's having a great year that's under the radar that we don't really know about from one of these teams like the Pirates. Like we were talking about earlier, relievers. They got a couple really good relievers that – you know, at their sell-high moment for a team like the Pirates trying to get prospects. We was also talking about the Diamondbacks. They're the most interesting ones. Um, Eduardo Escobar has already been in talks with the White Sox, so who knows? Who knows? I think they might end up getting him. But Peralta, also, we've talked about him as being a choice. Cattell Marte, though, I don't think they're going to let loose with him yet. Or Zach Gallon, there's too much service time. I mean, I definitely wouldn't. That would be stupid. I mean, I, I could see Peralta going. You know, he's got, what, one year after this left on his contract, which, honestly, if we could get him for minimal prospects, I think that that would be worthwhile. Especially, Even though Almonte and Heredia and all of them are doing fine in the outfield, I still feel like we need that big threat at the plate. Yeah, he, he's exactly who we need because he would he's a, you know, 30 homer guy, a high average guy, hits a lot of doubles. He would be perfect for a cleanup spot right now. And then later once we get uh Denard back, uh to put behind him just something to lengthen this lineup out. Because for the first time in three or four years when I'm thinking about the trade deadline I'm thinking about hitting instead of pitching. And that's, you know, that's crazy. We still need to address the bullpen some more. But starting-wise, I, I think we might be good. It it would I would scratch my head if we went out and got a really good starter over a really good hitter. But if we'd done that, it would probably be, be because I'm worried about how much money we could take on on a high-profile guy. Because like you said earlier about Freeman, like we're thinking about we, – we got to sign him. We have to. That's a fact. So who we can only take on so much money by getting a player. So it all comes down to that. Well, like I said, I, I, I agree with that because, I mean, primary should be re-signing – Freeman, that should have been the primary re-signing him this year over anything else because he is the cornerstone of our franchise. He is a leader in the clubhouse, as you put it. He basically is a whole other manager. I think you put it that way, I believe. And that should be our primary goal. Chipper never went into – a free agency. He was always, it was always the last year of his contract that spring training, they would give him a deal. 
Uh, I don't know what AA is thinking. I'm not criticizing him. He's done a wonderful job. But at the same time, it's it's one of those things. And you were talking about us going into the deadline, not looking for pitching. We would have been like, we really would have been if the emergence of Kyle Mueller hadn't shown up. Plus, there's also the possibility of in August getting back Yanoa. But we'll just have to see where we're at on that. I don't understand why you have one bad game and you go punch a freaking bench. I mean, this is that's childish. That's a bunch of idiocracy. But, anyways, I think we should go after Peralta. I think that's the best choice, uh, hitting wise. And I'm not really sure what we could do bullpen wise, but we'll see. And hopefully they do something good. The bullpen's going to be the easiest part because, like I said, all, all the bottom feeders, like um, they all have, you know, some good bullpen arms that'll come across, and they might be guys that weren't good in the past, but are just having a you know good season this year, and you know we'll take them on for nothing. We we tend to do that with the Orioles a lot. I feel like we might grab one of their. Uh, better relievers or yeah, something been known to fuck the D-backs over plenty. Yeah. I, well, yeah, but, uh, the diamondbacks, like you said, Peralta on that one year deal, if they're already talking about getting rid of Escobar, then they're getting rid of Peralta too. They're getting rid of basically anybody, you know, with one year contracts, something like that. But they're, I, I feel like they're going to keep Cattell because he still has enough time where he's, you know, he could be a part of their future because they do have a future coming. We said, like we said, they got, they got a farm system and it's developing pretty quickly. They got a haul back for uh, Zach Granke from the Houston Astros. What was uh, it? Five prospects, I believe. Five. Yes. Uh, I'd have to go back and look to see who they are, but. That's a good haul. I mean, all prospects are lottery tickets. So the more the more you get, the better off somebody of hitting. But one thing you said about Kyle Mueller, you, you was talking about uh, the resurgence. Of, he, he's he's looked good, but he, I mean, he's had three appearances. We can't, we definitely can't count on that. We can't count on that on in a big game necessarily. The you know a thing, obviously that pisses me off more because if we had him right now, then I would have no worries about our pitchers. And he can he can hit and pitch. I mean, that's been shown. But it's also, I mean, um, just because he was on a run doing so well before that, uh, nothing's assumed. So we can't assume that he wouldn't have people wouldn't have figured him out a little bit on the mound and things would have changed. Um, y- you never know. I mean. But we were talking about prospects and everything like that. And uh, I'm sure you've seen the game the other day with right on the mound. He just looked scared out there. I mean, he recently boasted that he was having fun in AAA, meaning he's basically accepted his place down there. And I understand he's been through a lot. I mean, he's been through the ringer with this club because, you know, they don't do like with Smoltz and Glavin where you can have a year where you could – have a six seven ERA and they'll still roll with you. We have so much pitching talent. It's basically okay, you did bad, go down, on to the next guy. 
Well, it's on the next guy for sure. But a big reason for that nowadays is like um, when somebody has a even a good performance, you're getting sent down to make room for uh, somebody else, you know, until the next time you're needed comes up. I mean, you can only do that so many times with somebody. But, yeah, that's that's the partial reason there. Even if you pitch well, you know, like like we just talking about earlier uh, the other day, Bryce Wilson. He knows that he, he's been he throwing knows enough. The he knows the deal well. I think he even mentioned something about it. But um, yeah, man, uh, it's exciting to see. And well, what what's really disappointing is uh, Tucker Davison was doing so well, and then it's to the point now with his shoulder injury. I just uh, seen something a little bit earlier today that said he's not ready to pitch yet, and they were saying hopefully we get him back this year. I didn't think it was that devastating, but it, I think it's another uh, calf. I think is like a, uh, is, I think it's another leg injury. I may be wrong on that. It may be shoulder related, but um, yeah, that, that either way, no matter what it is, it'd been nice to have him as another guy you can just bring up from triple a and throw in there. Yeah, that actually would have been really good. Uh, he was doing really well. Uh, I will I will say this. We're, we were talking about Kyle Wright. And, I mean, we got him in the first round from Vanderbilt. That's a good school. They pump out players and arms like nobody's business. As a matter of fact, they're in the uh, College World Series right now. I believe Leiter was pitching tonight. Al Leiter's son. But... Anyways, back to Wright himself. What do you think his trade value is? I mean, if we uh, dealt him two years ago, we got a massive haul, but I'm feeling like we probably wouldn't get much of anything for him at this point. I, I think you're wrong. I, I think he's still got uh, a little bit higher trade value than you'd think, and he would be one of the bigger pieces in a deal for Peralta, to be honest, I think, because – um, I mean, we've seen guys go get a change of scenery, especially a guy like Wright who has the stuff, who who looks like he should be a major league starting caliber pitcher. It, you know, outside of the outside of the reality of it, but I feel like he's a a lot of guys would view him as a change of scenery candidate. A lot of GMs would. So yeah, I, yeah. I could see him as a main piece in a larger trade package that we do. And then uh, those guys, like I was talking about, like some relievers from the Pirates, Orioles, maybe Diamondbacks, those will be guys we've likely never heard of, stuff like that. So essentially what you're basically saying is with Kyle Wright, it could be similar to, like, say, Charlie Morton when he was with the Braves and they sent him to the Pirates and he became really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm happy to have him now. It would have been nice to have him back then. But, uh, well, we went through, you know, we went through our own rebuild period. It was pretty rough. So, he would have been gone anyways at some point. So, there's no use reminiscing about it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to end the show, why don't we talk about Shohei Otani's history-making season it'll be history if he if he well there's a lot of small like a uh, like 
kind of bizarre small achievements that he's already got this season that that you just don't see in, because no one else has done this in so long. But yeah, if he it'll be interesting to see if he can keep pitching and hitting like, like several years in a row, then that's that's a whole different thing. I think if you see that, you're going to start seeing a bunch more guys try to do that. And a bunch of guys in college trying to do that and trying to come up as, you know, because most good pitchers all the way up through the time they were playing ball growing up, usually the good pitcher on a team is, you know, one of the best hitters too. You know, they're just an all around good athlete usually, but yeah. So I think hitters should, you know, I mean, uh, pitchers should put a little bit more emphasis emphasis on you know, being a good hitter as well. But, you know, at the big league level, you only got time to focus and be good at one thing. But there's going to be guys growing, you know, uh, coming up that way if you see Otani doing it in the major leagues. I mean, the last real uh, power-hitting threat as a pitcher was Babe Ruth. And, I mean, honestly – he uh, had a – I mean, he would have had more home runs had he not been just batting every five days. I mean, it's impressive. Uh, his He had 94 wins as a pitcher and 46 losses. That's impressive considering, you know, after he stopped pitching, bombs just everywhere. Yeah, yeah you said the last – Michael uh, Lorenzen for the Reds. Yeah. Uh, he, he does both well. I think he's probably even a better pitcher, maybe. I think he, he's in their pen. Not sure if he's injured right now or not. We didn't see him during the four-game series. But, yeah, he, he's a he's a, he's a a pretty good hitter as well. I'd have to go back and look at his stats to see how well. He's obviously not Otani, we know. but But, yeah, he's definitely tried it too. Hey guys, sorry about that. We had a little bit of a technical issue, but uh, we want to thank you for listening to the first few of our uh, experimental episodes of this podcast. We're trying to get it all down and do it right. And if you like it, hit the subscribe button on whatever form of uh, audio you're listening to and uh, follow us at at talk. Uh, underline Tama on Twitter. Underscore. <laughs> yeah, underscore. That's right. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next time. This is Tama Talk signing off.